Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the AEW Rampage Preview. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by one of the Dadley Boys, Michael Sidgwick from What Culture, to look ahead to tonight's episode of AEW Rampage. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts where we not only review AEW Rampage, but also Dynamite, Raw, SmackDown, NXT, Dubai, oh, pay-per-views, premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a round of the week complete with a blue quiz of course on wrestle culture as i said though joined by michael sidgwick and this is rampage baby uh we're looking ahead <laughs> to the show and the return of a former aew champion great to see riho back in the ring and it's also exceptional to see yuka sakazaki back in the ring Indeed. i'm just remain convinced that if she is heavily featured in aew at any point on a consistent basis that she will get over huge um, she's amazing. Her baby face, fire, and her unique approach to like escapes and everything is just absolutely tremendous. And I've got the scoop oh. on the quality of Rampage this week from an in-person live source. Who could this possibly be? It's Matt Reigns. Ah, of course. The number one Cedric Mega fan, Matt Reigns, and he's said to me that there's a bit of a shock here. Okay, so you're sitting down. I am sitting down. If everybody else listening could do me the courtesy, it's for your own benefit of sitting down. And normally we don't do spoilers. No, normally we don't. It's just a quality spot. Okay. But if you're sitting down, um, if you're not sitting down, this might come as a shock to you. Um, per a trusted source, Matt Reigns, this was a 7 out of 10 show. <laughs> seven what? Out, 7 out of 10 show. However, um, Riho versus Yuka Sakazaki was described as really very good indeed, as one would expect. So, yeah, it just feels like every other goddamn rampage in the world. But he will forgive me, being mm-hmm. the number one mega fan. But uh, we have this uh, weekly tradition, myself and Matt Reigns, right? And he'll forgive me for saying this because, you know, opinions make the world go round. Where, like, if this is an absolutely great dynamite, and I'm jumping off the ceiling, and the podcast is lucky that it doesn't go two hours because I'm so excited about talking about the various um, action, minutiae, detail, all the rest of it. I go, oh, that's a, at least a 9.2, like, at least. He'll say, ah, that's a 7.3, and I'm thinking, what, mate? Yeah. You what? And then, conversely, there are other weeks. Oh, absolutely. Where he'll go, 9 out of 10, one of the best of the year, and I'm thinking, nah, that's a 7.2, 7.2. 
So we've got different opinions about what constitutes a good show. So what I'm basically saying is I've got the correct opinion. <laughs> and if he's saying it's a seven, yeah, it's yeah. going to be a nine. Exactly. So let's party. Rampage is going to rule tonight. Uh, what do you think they've got planned for Riho? Because it's, you know, the, the women's title pictures obviously moved on a hell of a lot, but she was so influential and so important in the early days of that title. Do you think she could ever, well, not ever, but do you think she, she could be, what do you think they, they may have got planned for her coming back now? Because it's, it was it has for the last, what, two bloody years been so up in the air. It's been up in the air because initially when the, the stay-at-home orders across various states and then every state and then every country were issued, um, she was bound to Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, even before then, when she was the reigning women's champion, she had a split schedule. So it was never ideal to go on a proper run. And we've debated at length that AEW doesn't do anywhere near enough to write decent, unique stories um, around wrestlers who don't speak English as their native language. Um, so it's never really worked out for Riho for several reasons. And then the second that it felt like, right, okay, it's kind of easier to get between countries now. Uh, last year when thing, various things were easing, um, she had really terrible luck with injuries. Yeah. Um, and illnesses. So it's never really worked out. Hopefully this could be the start of something. Look, I'd like to be optimistic, but AEW's women's division in general, irrespective of these issues, gives me little cause to be firmly optimistic. Um, personally, I would like to see Yuka Zakazaki get a great run as well, but I suspect this is a just really nice low-key bit of LTST. Like, we use that ironically for WWE, <laughs> but if you recall the events of Fighter Fest 2019, it was Riho, uh, Yuka Zakazaki, and Nyla Rose in a three-way. And uh, in the post-match, Riho really annoyed Yuka Sakazaki, and she had this incredibly sympathetic look on her face. And I thought at some point they're going to revisit that mm -hmm. and do a match. And, you know, three years later, they're doing it. <laughs> so I'm really looking forward to it. Um, but Yuka Sakazaki is a big star in Tokyo Joshi Pro. Um, so I don't expect this run to last long. If you recall, um, she was brought in just for a one-off week um, to beat Penelope Ford at one of the first proper arena shows held um, since the pandemic, and then she just disappeared again. Mm -hmm. I just think every now and then they like to get her in. It's a treat because she's got a really cult, um, loyal audience, uh, with the idea being that people just like her. So mm. I don't expect this to be a long run for Yuka. Therefore, I would expect Riho to get the W tonight. And as long as... The match is very good, and it's at a reasonable length, and the message is, look, Riho went over, but what a fight Yuka showed, what a closely contested exhibition match it was. Um, I'll be happy with that, just knowing that they're not going to fly her over at not unreasonable expense just to have Riho win in five minutes, yeah. one would hope. I expect they think this is a good match. I hope it's allocated sufficient time. What I really like about their particular interpretation of Joshi wrestling is just the pin escapes, the really unique counters, the frenzied pace, like those sort of like whirlwind pinning combinations at the finish. I expect this to be a really nice sample of what they can do. Give it 11 or 12 minutes, I hope, so it can really sort of stand out as a proper competitive match. Riho gets the win, and in terms of the wider tournament, um, Riho's great at eliciting sympathy, Um. She had a really great, if overbooked, match with Britt Baker at the original. It wasn't really great. It was good um, at the first Battle of the Belts. Run that back because they've got great chemistry just without quite as much bollocks. They could even um, write a storyline around the dissension between Jamie Hayter and mm -hmm. Britt Baker where if 
Jamie Hayter doesn't get helped out by Britt Baker, then then she can sort of be reluctant to lend a hand to Britt Baker. So Britt Baker could have to go it alone, sort of foreshadowing her babyface turn. So she has to show some resolve against Riho in a much better, less modern-day Bullet Club match. Mm. And plus, off the top of my head, I think Riho would be a brilliant, not suggesting that she should end the streak, could be a really interesting opponent for Jay Cargill and, and facing a few of the baddies as well along the way. Yes, absolutely. I really like that as an idea. But you mentioned that because we've got two women's matches tonight on it's, AEW it's Rampage. It's absolutely incredible. Uh, one of it's which... no wonder it's going to a special start time. They're being <laughs> they're being very crafty with this. They are they put the women in the main event of la- of this week's Dynamite. I'm getting very very cynical about the AEW women's division on a show that they knew damn well was going to get battered by the NBA and the ratings. It's not so close to the pay-per-view where they feel like they're going to lose like actual momentum. Mm-hmm. And the special start time of Rampage makes me think that they are trying to get away with, well, we put women in the main event. I've got two matches on one yeah. show. What more do you want? It feels like it's the perfect time to get away with it. And you know what? If it just normalizes it, and this is a, a strategy with which to normalize more women's wrestling on AEW television or higher profile, getting away from the penultimate quarter hour. If it's a dry run for this to happen more often, more than it is just a short-term defense shield against the the criticisms that are increasing in volume. If it is the start of something, and I've been burned before and I will not be burned again, Mm. fair play to them, it's a sly way of doing it, but it's our way of doing it. Yeah, it's uh, with a special start time, it is at least beneficial for us here in the UK being able to potentially watch it live rather than at silly o'clock in the morning here. Uh, but you mentioned momentum there, and, and, and that's arguably a reason for this tag match because all four women are involved uh, in the women's section of the Owen Hart uh, tournament. It is tonight Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter versus Tony Storm and Ruby Soho. Really looking forward to this. I'm looking forward to this. Um, again, I hope it's given sufficient time. And there's a hook squash match, so you're expecting three matches to go reasonably long and the hook squash to not go long at all. And then some Dan Housen and Tony East business. We kind of know what the patterns of the yeah. hook are at this point. Given the amount of time, I will hesitate to say effort, but given the amount of time in these backstage segments and the fact that they want to really try and showcase the women's arm of the Owen, 10 minutes, one yeah. would hope. Um, they know what they're doing in terms of booking. They just don't want to do it more often than not in the women's side of things. But, like, give us a taste mm. of Tony Storm and Jamie Hayter to an extent that everything they do looks good. And, wow, I can't wait to see them go ahead with stakes one-on-one. Um, they've done a decent job that shouldn't go uncredited um, of just maintaining the idea that Britt Baker and Ruby Soho really don't think much of each other whatsoever. Mm -hmm. They've been connected loosely ever since Ruby Soho um, arrived in the promotion, and there's been various matches like this where they've been sort of tethered together. Um, I wouldn't say it's a legacy rivalry or an epic long-term or anything of that description, but, you know, they've never forgotten, and they've got decent chemistry, much better on the mic than in the ring. But there's lots to like here. There's also lots to play with. So I would expect a decent match. I would kind of expect the um, heels to go over with the idea that Baker's going to advance, so you need to keep her strong and um, just put a little doubt over the idea of what Tony Storm can do. I think Soho takes the pin mm-hmm. with the idea being that they want to keep Storm and Hater 
as a proper first-round traction that they really do think could be very good indeed. And we're going to see a taste of that. Yeah, I was going into this thinking, until you said that, perhaps that, that Storm and Soho get the win because of more miscommunication or ill will or just, you know, they're not uh, of Hater and Baker not being on the same page. And then I look at it and go, oh, but who can eat a pin there? You ain't pinning Baker. Yeah. And Hater, you don't want to pin because you want to sell. You know, Storm could get knocked down the first round by her. So I'm, I'm inclined to agree with you, but... Yes, uh, really excited to see how this plays out and, and just excited for this Owen Hart tournament to get going as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, my initial thoughts on the Owen, I would describe it thus far as uneven. There mm-hmm. are certain match combinations in the first proper round of the men's that make me think there's going to be more chicanery. I would rather it was like a self-contained, ultra-competitive deal because not only do I get a little bit bored by all the schmozzy post-match beatdown elements of Dynamite as it is, but I just think this is a perfect excuse to get away from it, because I understand how the booking works. In a way, Khan has almost booked himself into a corner. It's a double-edged sword of doing so much overlapping, stable-based storytelling, and everyone has all the baby faces having mates, because if they don't save them from a beatdown, then it just feels like, oh, well, they've got friends, where were they? It's a plot hole, but at the same time, the the two options with the storytelling model are either you have plot holes or you have very redundant, repetitive mm. post-match beatdowns that get saved, and it just it's better than it was, but last year in particular, it was just plaguing the show. So I thought that Owen was a perfect opportunity to get away from that, and they could sort of say, look, it's the spirit of Owen Hart, competition, a tournament, just leave the personal stuff at the door, but they haven't really done that. There's mm. been lots of um, distraction finishes in the fir- in the qualifiers and um, political, effective non-finishes in terms of Cole and Ishii. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I would like more out of the, of the Owen. But the brackets are very promising. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful, too, for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help 
a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash whatculture. Moving on, uh, I am confused, Michael Sidgwick, because the internet told me that AEW were going to really struggle to sell out Forbidden Door, and then it sold out the 11,000 tickets they put on pre-sale. There's a general sale going on at 10 a.m., either Central or Eastern today. What about Pacific? Yeah, I don't know. I don't, uh, I don't get it. No. Um, but they put more on sale today, but they put 11,000 tickets on sale yesterday, and they sold out in less than 40 minutes. Um, a ringing endorsement of this collaboration, it sounds like. Yes, absolutely. I thought this was always going to be the case um, because there's a trust in the audience that you're not going to get an ROH slash New Japan Pro Wrestling War of the Worlds um, type deal or a Global Wars where you're not going to get key one-on-one marquee matches that you absolutely can't predict. I knew they were going to go for something big. Just the the very arena that they've booked, the fact that they're making you pay for it. Um, I knew it was going to be like this. I knew there was going to be strong interest. Uh, maybe as a result of what New Japan used to be or could be again with a loud, packed house backdrop. But I knew this was going to happen. Um, usually, I'm not bothered about discourse and idiots and quote-tweet dunks and all the rest of it. I'm kind of bored of that aspect of Twitter, but there was some good stuff. There was some good stuff. There are a select handful of people who I will allow to quote dunk other people, and I wish that people realize, you know what, there's a select group of Twitter users who can do this well. Just leave it to them. <laughs> yes. Leave it to them. Leave it. Please don't try this at home. Yeah. Chief among them are Kenny Omega and Dave Meltzer. Yep. And Dave Meltzer did two absolutely great quote dunks. And it's like one of them was... Um, Dave Meltzer, who projects business and has done exceptionally well for like decades at this point, tweeted something along the lines of, yet yeah, the pre-sale sold out almost instantly, um, general sale will go on tomorrow, and they will be snapped up pretty much instantly. Someone tweeted him saying, in your words, how would you know? It's like, well... <laughs> it's like, it's, it's already pretty much instantly sold out. Yeah, I don't think there are... If the Try and buy de- a ticket now yeah. and tell me what happened. If, yeah, exactly. If the level of demand is so high, you'd expect maybe the remaining tickets that go on general sale to follow suit. Yeah. I don't think they've captured the only people in Chicago who could give a toss about it. These, there are queues. There are people who miss out on these opportunities to get it. Um, and a similar quote tweet along similar lines. Like when there's hard evidence betraying your point, no matter how bad faith it is. Like, I don't understand why people would just demean themselves and make themselves look like idiots just because they hate a wrestling promotion. It just drives, yeah. it's absolutely bizarre. So someone said, right, they're getting killed by NBA playoff competition. So for that matter, is WWE. Mm-hmm. And someone tweeted him saying, oh, you know, even with the signings of Punk and Brian, like it's still falling away year on year. First of all, no, it isn't. No. I absolutely know it isn't. This is not a best period for them, but it's absolutely not... Falling away year on year. There's a robust uh, robust metric you can use, um, which Dave Meltzer did to dunk on him, which was, uh, yeah, yeah, they should um, get, yeah, Tony Khan does need a hand, or they should get someone who knows what they're doing. Does anyone know of anyone who's just secured $2 million gates over the past two months? <laughs> and it was like, yeah, Double or Nothing and Forbidden Door are both each going to generate $1 million in revenue, mm. which I don't think they've done in a single year in their history, which no. means it is 
growing <laughs> from the success they've already achieved. I just touch grass. I, I said this on the news, and I, I don't want to get too far into this, but to a certain extent, I can understand the argument that AW doing a partnership with New Japan will not attract casual fans. Uh, and by that, I mean people who used to watch the Attitude Era, right? Yes. It's a different time, different group of people, what have you. So there's not that's maybe an I don't think it's a very good argument to be made, but there's maybe an argument just about to be made there. I certainly wouldn't tweet it even if I felt that belief because yeah, social media is a hellscape. But why? Like, I'm not uh, 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 an anti AW guy. I'm not an anti WWE guy. I'm not. An, I'm just. I just like like what like I like all of it basically. But if I was an anti AW guy and I was gonna go, we're gonna get him here. Like, fair enough. It's not it's not very uh, faithful to, to how things are actually going down, because like you say, WWE. But say, like, oh, the ratings are down, so they must suck. Not the case because of NBA and WWE suffering the same thing. But, like, it's such an obvious L to take to go, I'm not going to sell out this uh, Chicago show. I think if they didn't have New Japan on it, they'd still sell out. They were still sold out probably within the hour, in my opinion, 11,000 seats or whatever, because they've got a very loyal audience. For pay-per-view, yes. TV, not necessarily. Yeah, no. Because I think, it, uh, I think the CM Punk MGF match, weirdly, in terms of ratings and the house, it I was baffling that. Yeah. Success. It was baffling, but as you said, baffling, probably an aberration. But to turn around and be like, there, what, watch, watch what happens. No, you've, you've, what are you I doing? Know. Here's my take on the casual fan thing. There is not a nomadic tribe of five million people just wondering, where did Midian go, man? <laughs> where did Midian go? Like, it's just not happening. Like, the way that the cultural landscape has shifted in the years, the, the state of the TV industry, the sheer volume of content, which is fragmented across so many different platforms, and um, several of which did not exist. You can't measure it against that no. old paradigm. But my take is, like, people are complete idiots. Obviously, Someone like Eric Bischoff is still in the sphere of pro wrestling. He's going to, he's not going to get a real job anymore because he absolutely botched his last one in 2019. So he has <laughs> to do the bad faith grift and try and get the people who hate AEW because it, it harms their identity and their understanding. So they've got a new target and it can't possibly be right because their identity is so wrapped up in hating mm, it and mm. loving WWE. So he's playing to that crowd and it's, it's a grift and he's, you know, he's on my timeline more than he was two months ago for Christ's sake. So it must be working in some respect. And he's obviously got a little bit of authority in the manner because, you know, he was the guy who beat WWE for two yeah. years, the Fed for two years. But he's completely wildly out of touch. Still a New Japan story to do it, but still. Can you imagine, right, someone from uh, Disney just going to Eric Bischoff, this guy knows what he's talking about. He was on, he was on TV and good at it 20 years ago. <laughs> Let's get his perspective. Right, you're catering too much to the casual fan. You're not growing. Disney, who are one of the very biggest companies in the world, possibly the biggest purveyor of in-house original content, are going to turn around to him and say, oh, so should, we should change our entire business model because you said so. And Eric Bischoff saying to Disney, yes, you should. Because the whole idea is there is a millennial base of people who are in the 18 to 49 demographic who kind of never grew up because the world in which we are growing into is a little bit of a hellscape and yep. we like the comforts of nostalgia. Nostalgia is a huge, huge thing. In a sense, AEW is a kind of nostalgia promotion. Mm -hmm. It's like all nostalgia is to a degree fake. Um, AEW services fans nostalgic for a different time of unscripted promos, of creative freedom, of violence and blood and all the rest of it. Like that's to a degree Disney's model. 
if there wasn't, if there's so much choice out there that it's you're way better off, specifically with a niche thing like pro wrestling, you're way better off capturing the imagination of those who just already like it. Mm. It's a savvy model. You can tell by the ratings, the contract renewals, the million-dollar gates, plural. Disney do the same thing. Boba Fett, Mandalorian. It's all just extracting content from the same source to appease Kenobi, the same yeah. audience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kenobi, because they realize it's probably better not to do a big swing and a miss for some sweeping, let's get everyone on board, because that's kind of impossible in this atomized cultural landscape. You're better off fan-servicing those who you know are going to be invested if you do it right and if you do it in enough depth and if you do it with enough sort of quality. So tell Eric Bischoff should tell Disney that their model's wrong. <laughs> right, uh, let's move on and talk about Hook House. And I've actually got your thoughts on, on, on what's been going on with them recently. And tonight, Hook is facing J.D. Drake as well. And you sense Dan Housen will have a part to play in that as well. I guess so. Uh, maybe it'll rinse and repeat um, last week's Rampage angle. Or maybe we'll get a hint that Hook's kind of on board with Dan Housen, the enemy of my enemy is my friend, or something like that. It feels like... AEW is guilty of chasing memes because they are chasing the really ardent, passionate crowd because it's an effective way of monetizing your company in the age of very atomized pop culture. Just to repeat that goddamn point. (laughs) They've been guilty of chasing memes. Um, Remember the wingmen? That very much felt like, here's something that we think will connect with social media, and it's quite irreverent and funny, and we think people will have a laugh. It felt like, oh, people are into the Dark Order, and they're a bit goofy and wacky, and Mm -hmm. let's do a heel version of that. And it just didn't take, because memes occur organically. Um, And two such memes and cult acts have developed organically in terms of Sendhook and Danhausen, whose ability to generate popularity got on the gig in the first place. This, to me, feels like they are having their cake and eating it too by splicing two kind of meme-ish wrestlers together and making it a fun thing for all the cult guys who follow these two acts. And for me, it's not working because I personally only like one of them. And I don't think there's as much of a cross-section between people who are mad on Danhausen and mad on Hook. Like, realistically, Hook was a bigger deal towards the end of last year when he first debuted than he is now. This is always going to happen when people get used to an act and it no longer feels like the most vital, new, cool thing. But I just don't see how these two acts complement one another. But at the same time, I would have said the exact same thing about Jungle Boy and Christian Cage. Yes. And um, Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky, who I think are an underrated mid-card act. But there's various examples of this um, over AEW's young history of Tony Khan going, ah, of me saying, are you putting them two together? Or that match is happening? And you think... That's why it happened. The, yeah. the, the penny drops, and it becomes this great thing. I'm not feeling it personally yet, nor will I mind if I never do, but enough people like it, and it's a good, successful thing that a lot of people like. I will not begrudge. I just don't see the wisdom in it yet. I'm waiting for that penny drop moment of, ah, uh, that's why you're putting them together. Because for me, at the minute, it just feels too much like two guys with a following, or maybe they're going to have more of a following if they come together. I just don't know why he's put them together, but I've got... Faith, because he puts teams together very well. I think I'm turning that corner, you know. I talked about this on uh, the Rampage review with, with Hamflet of, you know, Andy Murray's very much... He's he, a Danhausen guy. Yeah, he's on it, on it now. He's on that train. And uh, I don't know, I, I think it was maybe last week on Rampage when Danhausen walked down to the ring and just sort of explained himself and then Hook came out and he said, 
Oh, maybe not right now, actually. And then obviously all the Tony Nese stuff happened. And the wonderful setup of Danhausen thinking he's recovered his cursing powers because Tony Nese backs off. But that's because Hook's got back to his feet again. There's a, I'm, I'm seeing it more and more. And I think maybe tonight, presume Red Rum to J.D. Drake and then more maybe Nice involvement and then Danhausen making a save for Hook uh, could well be the way that they go. But I think maybe this is the night that, that you your eyes are open to this potential team. I was completely and utterly ambivalent about Danhausen. I couldn't grasp this whole love-hate, one way or the other discourse when he first debuted. Maybe because I just don't give a toss about that kind of stuff usually anymore. Um, but I just felt nothing for Danhausen, one way or the other, and uh, Danhaus, Danhausen. Hmm. Um, various little things he's done have given me the, eh, mm. you know, the eh, <laughs> reaction. <laughs> yes. Where... Prior to that, it was just stone-faced. Not for me, but I don't hate it, because why would I? I'm not a complete weird geek. Well, yeah, I'm just not. <laughs> just not that this, respect, yeah. yeah. Uh, so maybe we'll see something that I will enjoy. But a win for Hook, obviously. Yes, and J.D. Drake's a really good worker, so it's going to annoy a few people that he's going to get a pseudo three-minute squash match. He'll get ragdolled a bit, yeah. Yeah, maybe he'll get dumped on his head. Oh. Yes, please. Safely, yeah, but yes. Safely, please. but yes. Uh, finally, right, I've been practicing this. Uh, I've been trying. I'm tr- going to try. I'm going to butcher it regardless. So thanks to Andy Murray for his <laughs> futile efforts for me to try and pronounce this correctly. Tonight it is Jay Lethal versus Konosuke Takeshita. Pretty much, yeah. Pretty much. Um, tell me a little bit about this because I'm, I'm kind of cl- completely clueless. He's uh, DDT, right? Yeah. Konosuke Takeshita is the top star of DDT, Dramatic Dream Team. And he is like this incredible athlete. Um, that's not to say that his work doesn't really have depth to it. Um, it does, but he's very much in that um, rarefied air of like your packs, your ospreys, and megas of people or wrestlers who, even in an era long defined by great athletes, can do something so astounding that you are. I'm numb to like a dive. We all are. Yes. And I see like a high spot and I think, all right, that's good. Like connect it better in a match and I'll pop for it. But Takeshita's got that incredible physical presence in this like just unreal, rare athletic ability. But he's also incredible at crafting together long matches and he's just the real deal, basically. Um, He's got this sort of spinning blue thunder bomb gimmick. I'm not very good at like remembering what moves are. Just never mm, be my no, thing. No, no, no. But every time he does it, you think, how have you got the power and the agility to pull something off and make it look like death? Not just a beautiful athletic endeavor, but you can make it look like absolute death. He's like a unit as well. He's just the real deal. Um, so I expect this match to showcase his talents. It's weird, though. They are intent on putting Jay Lethal over. And I get it. I don't like Jay Lethal personally. He's never really done much for me. And there's the whole thing. Um, but they like him a lot. And yeah, yeah, yeah. It's in terms of a, a strategy to get someone pushed and profiled. If you look at the reactions he gets, if anything, it's kind of a misstep to turn him face because people are really, really liking his work. But regardless, um, I kind of expect Lethal to win mm-hmm. and Takeshita to get... Like Paul Heyman always said, the best match... Put someone over and get someone over. And I think that'll be the case with Lethal being put over, but Takeshita getting over with what he can do. I don't necessarily see the wisdom in jobbing him out, but I expect that's the way it's going to be. I think there's probably maybe going to be the involvement of Satnam Singh in this as well. Yeah, he'll be protected, but I'm sick of people getting protected. 
Like there's mm. people aren't penises that might have STIs that <laughs> need to be protected. They are professional wrestlers, and if they show enough guts and spirit and resolve, like Darby Allen lost so many matches clean in the goddamn middle, mm-hmm. and look where he uh, look what he evolved into. Would that have been the case if he kept getting distracted? Mm. I don't think so. I before you know again the whole thing happened, and I'm a bit ambivalent with Darby these days. Like I. Love his stuff in spite of myself in the ring, but regardless, like Darby Allen, I would have just thought, oh, this is rubbish booking. This is rubbish, yeah. redundant, um, cowardly booking. And I would, the booking would get in the way of what I thought of the performer. But I gravitated initially, anyway, towards Darby Allen because he kept getting beat cleanly. But in a similar way to what they're doing with uh, Wheeler Utah, he kept showing more and more and more each time. And, that and was over in, in defeat, it's an age-old thing, isn't it? Yeah. But they're not doing enough of that, no. anywhere near enough of that recently. And I worry that Takeshita is going to be less Darby Allen and more more people than not these days in AEW. What's the main event of this show is going to be? Riho? Nothing immediately stands out. Yeah. Um, Britt Baker has got a very good track record of drawing quarter hours and... Um, I remember it was the Black Friday Rampage or something like that. Yeah, it was the Black Friday deal match with Riho. Like, her quarter hour in that main event did really well. So I would, if I was booking it, I would put Baker in the, in the top slot in the last segment. Fair enough. Well, let us know your thoughts ahead of AW Rampage tonight on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Uh, well, actually, you can follow both of us. You can follow Michael Sidgwick at... M. Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE, as I said. Make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. Uh, the SmackDown preview is available right now, and we'll be back later on today uh, with WrestleCulture, complete with the hashtag BloodyGoodQuiz. And I believe, to throw you under the bus here, I believe it will be Sidgwick and Murray reviewing AW Rampage on Monday because I'll be asleep having watched the brilliant and it's not going to fail. WrestleMania Backlash I Premium keep Live Event. I keep forgetting it's <laughs> happening. Uh, but for now, uh, this has been the AW Rampage Preview. My thanks to Michael Sidgwick. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you soon. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.